Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Rule the day the plant-based way with the new vegan mixed berry from Smoothie King. Powered by whole, non-GMO fruits, oat milk, and vegan protein, it's a dairy-free, plant-based smoothie you can feel great about. With 13 grams of protein and half your daily fiber, it's an easy way to get the essential nutrients your body craves. Skip the line and order online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Episode 1877 of No BS Job Search Advice Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Alton, the big game hunter, and welcome. Today's show is an interview that I did with Jeff Klubeck of getaclue.com. That's K-L-U.com. And Jeff was a fun interview. And we're talking about developing confidence as a job hunter in everything related to your search. Longer interview than I normally release. It's about 45, 50 minutes in length. Take it in in chunks if that's the way you prefer. It was a quality interview. And with that, let me just simply say, let's get going. Hey, Jeff. Who is that handsome man? I don't wear. Uh, must be my son behind me. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to start off with an apology and embarrassment. And that is, I haven't been able to find my notes from our pre-interview. Oh, okay. So refresh my memory, first of all, is the topic about confidence and building. Um, Tell me well, the topic. Yeah, we talk, you know, com- we're talking about confident candidate. Yes. Right. And um, the, the idea is, you know, I had some, I did a conference call all these years ago about tips for being a confident candidate. It's like, you know, the worst economy since the depression 10 years ago, but now we're headed for it again. You know, a lot of people out of work. Yeah. So it's timely, you know, so it's just, it, it's, it marries the strategic staffing, but I have a different approach. And you know, I have like the concept, the headband of confidence, things to keep in mind uh-huh. while you're going through the interview. And then ultimately um, the second main point is, um, well, the third main point is about goal setting. You know, like what's your, you know, like there's goal setting. What's your goal? And you know, how to, you know, then arming, you know, arming yourself with questions. You know, you, you I'm trying to get the, the candidate to imagine the questions they're going to be asked and to be ready to ask certain types of questions. And, you know, like you said to me before, there's savvier job seekers that understand these things to be some of the basics, but I'm focusing on like a lot of the soft skill stuff, personal, professional growth concepts embedded into the process of the mindset of being a candidate. And then it touches on a little bit of strategic staffing also when we talk about behavioral questions, competency-based questions, screening questions, the differences thereof. So that's basically what we're talking about. Super. And thus, if I were introducing you, you know, sometimes I, I would have someone give me three lines, but I'm just going to ask you to introduce yourself to the audience. That's uh, you know, do a quick synopsis of who you are, what you do, and at the end you'll have an opportunity to, to sell whatever you want to sell <laughs> and tell people where you they can find you, stuff along those lines. Yeah, so, not a problem, not a problem. 
Ah, good. So it's already recording, which is nice. And oh, by the way, am I allowed to screen share? Can you give me permission to screen share? Should that come up? Sure, but that's going to uh, affect podcasting. So I'm going to remind oh. you. Okay. Yeah, because initially I recorded his video, and it goes out on YouTube that way. It's also going to wind up on OTT and on smart uh, on smart uh, TV apps as well. Okay. So I have a, a broad distribution, and podcasting makes it, you know, adds an extra dimension. So you can over talk it, okay. uh, and I can do an introduction to it. But remember, you know, at times if I interrupt, it's to describe what's on the screen to make sure it's thorough. Understood. Oh, understood. So if I go, let's just make sure of the multiple audiences. So yeah. like let's say things like what we're looking at now is a diagram where we got motivation pitched on the left and accountability on the right. There you go. To, to stoke theater of the mind. So just, uh, I want to make sure I have it configured for, for anyone. Um, one participant can share at a time. So if you do a screen share, uh, all I would say is oh, when yeah, you're you done, come off the screen share. Yeah. Understood. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, production value. I understand, I, I understand television production. I took those classes in college. Because that's really what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. I understood. So I'm just going to take note here. Calls coming in. We're going to disregard that. So approximately. How's your day going? So far, so good. Yeah, I've got a couple more things that I really want to, you know, accomplish today, but I'm feeling, uh, I don't know, uh, relaxed and then jovial, productive, but looking forward to family time tonight. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And I appreciate you getting on my calendar today. My wife is having surgery on Tuesday. Oh, wow. Well, uh, you know, it's open heart. So um, okay. heart val it's a valve repair, which is... The better it's the best of the options uh, mm -hmm. so you know as has been said i've done this a million times i can do this in my sleep and i've encouraged him to do it with his eyes open <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of stuff going on and you're getting in under the wire for that and let's just take a deep breath and one more swig here just Get rid of that. Thank you. Uh, I've been on since 9.30 this morning, back to back to back. Yeah, another, another feeling. It's fun. <clears throat> so the way I'm going to toss it to you after the uh, introduction is, so here we are. It's... Not exactly one of those fun times economically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to talk about how you as a job hunter are going to stay confident. Yeah. Which I'm sure for some of you is going to be a challenge. Words to that effect. Okay. Cool. So with that, I'm going to dive right into an intro. When I, when I release it for video, it's going to be much the same way as we're doing now. And you know, afterwards, it's going to be, uh, and what I do for a podcast is a separate intro and an outro for it. And bear with me, I just want to check on some noise behind me. One sec. Uh -huh. 
Thank you. <laughs> and let's have some fun today. Ready? Right, yeah. So my guest today, yes, my guest today is, do you prefer Jeffrey or Jeff? Uh, it doesn't really matter. I just know that when I hear Jeffrey, it reminds me of my wife getting ready to ask me to do a chore. It used to be my mother doing the same thing with me, but it was more yeah. scolding than everything. Jeff Klubeck. Yes, welcome. sir. Please introduce yourself to everyone. Let's find uh, out more about you, okay? Yeah, thanks, Jeff. I mean, just briefly, my name is Jeff Klubeck, and uh, some people know me as Professor Klubeck. I'm a retired adjunct professor of communication. I retired three years ago after 20 consecutive years in the classroom teaching public speaking and all the communication modules. Some people know me as Coach Jeffrey. I learned how to coach back in uh, 2007 before it was cool. Uh, and uh, uh, coaching has taken me all over the world. So I have a Coach Jeffrey brand, a white label coaching services for other organizations. And then I'm founder of Get a Clue Incorporated, last name Klubeck. So my little boutique coaching practice is Get a Clue. And it's really about soft skills. I believe soft skills make strong leaders. Soft skills make strong teams and organizations. So you, we could deliver soft skills through coaching, consulting, training, or info products and speaking, etc. I'm, I'm married. Um, I got Marianne and I got my three beautiful kids. So I'm a very, very, very lucky dude and happy to be here. You betcha you are. And yeah. So here we are. It's one of those times in history where, mm -hmm. shall we say, things are not all rosy. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, let's, you know, let's keep our sense of humor. Continue, yeah. Right, right. And the, the idea is we're going to be talking about how you as a job hunter can project confidence, how you can be you know, ooze success, because mm -hmm. it's not uncommon for people to, to project defeat and frustration and disappointment yeah. all those qualities that make you unpopular during a date sabotage you in your career <laughs> as well <laughs> it's very similar isn't it yeah. job hunting and dating particularly blind dating there's so much alike but yeah. that's a that's a digression maybe i'll work it into the interview today yeah no, i'm a one-woman guy so i can't talk about dating as much right I've you been remember in back in the stone ages and yeah. i've been in love with marianne since the late 50s so to speak so Ooh. But, but, but you're talking about relationship building. You're talking about projecting confidence instead of fear. You're talking about uh, keeping certain things in mind, regardless of the external conditions, right? And, and you know, I, it was, I like to start off and say, hey, why waste a good recession? Why waste a good pandemic? In other words, it's very easy to react to the negative conditions and what's not going right. But we got to preserve time to focus on the positives, the givens, the the fun, I like to put the fun back in the fundamentals. I mean, in other words, sure, there's a pandemic, but nothing's changed. We still need goals. Sure, there's a pandemic, but nothing's changed. We still either pursue them or, or not, et cetera. And so now there's a lot of people that are displaced from work or reinventing or pivoting. And when you're in that situation, the uh, status, not how much should I say, the um, default thinking might be negative, right? Uh, and so it takes effort. Uh, one of my mentors, I forget who, maybe it was Brian Tracy said, weeds grow on their own but any nutrients or flowers or herbs or vegetables want to grow they take tending to they need you know care and sunlight and nutrients and soil yeah so so negative thinking stinking thinking happens on its own you don't have to put effort into that what we have to put effort in, into is the positive the confident uh the the proactive the um the thinking that represents visualizing what we do want instead exactly. of what we don't 
Exactly right, because the fault is, oh, woe is me, versus, and stinking thinking, to use the old Zig Ziglar line. Yeah. Uh, instead of, how do I win? Mm-hmm. How do I? How do I move forward and get what I want? It's to luxuriate in the misery. And that isn't going to get you work. It's not going to help you become successful, right? Yeah, well, it's easy to understand. So I don't want to agree with you insofar as like blaming or judging, condemning anybody with the stinking thinking. I mean, it's actually part of a survival mechanism to co-miserate, bond, and connect with others in a tribal kind of communal way. But, you know, the, the, the idea, the pain of the situation is mandatory. It's the suffering that's optional. So at some point, we still need to figure out what we want to do with our lives and what, what we, where we want our lives to go and what we're doing to get there. So if, if, that me, if you happen to be a job seeker right now, it, 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 for whatever way, maybe you had a job and you lost it, or maybe you're entrepreneurial, but your idea isn't viable anymore because of conditions. Right? Think about Chuck E. Cheese, right? That whole thing is based on, you know, kids running around spreading bacteria everywhere so that model anyway so if you whatever reason you're looking for something and candidate you know we, we have this uh, notion that I submit my resume I get called in for an interview and I'm one of several candidates for a position but I'm a candidate if I'm looking at a JV opportunity I'm a candidate if I'm looking at an investment I'm a candidate if I'm looking at a strategic partnership uh, you know I met with somebody last night who wants to do a complete 100% nonprofit, you know, entrepreneurial course for students. And I was a candidate. You want, he was trying to find out how much of responsibility I was willing to take on to teach the program. And I'm trying to find out why does this exist? What's the upside? What's the succession plan? What are the resources to do the job? Who do I need to interact with? Asking, you know, strategic questions that I would teach any of my coaching students or anybody consuming the info products. I did a conference call 10 years ago, right, when there was a recession worst recession since the depression 10 years ago 2010 about confident candidate because there was so many displaced you know and unemployment was so high and now here we are again high unemployment numbers and people need strategies or hope or resources on how to be confident as they pursue their next opportunity so where do they start how does someone start developing or cultivating and fertilizing let's let's use that metaphor of the garden yeah i like it how do they start cultivating and fertilizing that confidence that they're going to need in order to stand out from all the others? Yeah, well, thanks. You know, like I have this concept called the headband of confidence. Can we do like, that? Can we do that in, in, in like the headband yeah, 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 of yeah. confidence? Since with the echo and everything, right? right? Yeah, I like that. If it sounds grand, that's kind of cool. I, I like, you know, again, humor's the Trojan horse to get the learning through. So, life's serious enough. We got to have fun with it. That's why I love your style, Jeff. I'm so grateful to be on the show. So what I'm getting at is headband. Keep these things on your mind. So, and I can elaborate on any of them, but let me just go ahead and list them for you. This is just my approach. If you keep the following six things on your mind, it creates a headband of confidence. So one is openness. Remember to be open. Maybe I'm going in interviewing for this particular job, but I need to be open to maybe there's a different job in that organization that's better for me. Or maybe it's not the job that I'm going to get, but the hiring manager that's going to be at a different job a year from now that I need to have a good rapport with, right? So I want openness. I don't want, I don't want to have a, 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 an absolute mindset, like I either get the job or I don't. I want to be open to whatever happens. Does that make sense? Like maybe I open my car 
door to get out of the car to go to the interview and there's a dollar bill on the ground and that's why I was supposed to be there instead of getting the job. I want to be open to whatever's going on. So openness means I can detach from the outcome and have more confidence and be more zen. Number two is gratitude, right? You know, if you're a candidate, that means you're in the game. doesn't mean you're guaranteed to get the job, but you're in the game and that's enough to be grateful for, to have opportunity at all. I mean, gratitude is always the attitude. As a matter of fact, you know, you talk about Zig Ziglar, you know, generation down from that Tony Robbins, you know, is a big advocate of saying we cannot be in any form of the 70 negative emotions. We cannot be in a negative mood if we're in gratitude. So if I ever become aware, if I ever like, I'm worried or what if, or if I, if I ever become aware of my own stinking thinking, all I got to do is to take a deep breath and say, what am I grateful for? What's awesome about today? What do I really appreciate and love right now? And boom, I'm all of a sudden, everything's changed. My physiology, my posture, uh, everything. If I, if I can keep gratitude on my mind. A third thing is to lead with listening. A lot of times when we're in a nervous situation, when we're tail between our legs or when we feel we're being evaluated or judged, ego defense kicks in. And one of the responses to emotional fight or flight is to start talking and talking and talking and talking. And, you know, let me tell you more about me. And let me tell you more about me. And let me tell you more about why I should get the job and more about what I've done. And more. I'm encouraging you to take a breath and lead with listening. Because a lot of times it's the employer that's just as desperate or eager to get their position filled. Let them talk themselves to death so to speak, but you might hear things that'll give you a better answer than you would have had if you weren't listening at all. So one lead the, with listening. Go ahead. And one of the things I, I always remind people of is when you're listening, you're not formulating your, your next question or the answer to the question. You're just listening because there are little nuances that if you're actually listening and those Absolutely. are, and many of those are visual cues that mm -hmm. someone has in their manner, in their body language, that while you're thinking of what to say next, you're not paying attention to. So Absolutely. I love the idea of reminding people to listen. Yeah, let me go, let me go one, kluba diving on that one level deeper. Um, I like to encourage people to invite, you said it, right? Visual cues, listening is not what we do with our ears. Listening is, we could do it with any of our senses. Anything we observe and attend to, we have listened to. So hearing is with our ears, but listening is with our eyes, our nose, our finger. You know, what kind of handshake is it, right? What other competing stimuli is going on in the background? What are, how, which direction are their legs crossed? Are their arms folded? What is their posture? Can you mirror and match? So I like to invite all of the senses to the listening party. Uh, and then just the other three things that I want people to keep in mind uh, for the headband of confidence is you got to keep nonverbal communication in mind. We were just talking about that. You know, there's, there's like how you're saying what you're saying is in fact what you're really saying, right? So a lot of times people, if they're being coached as job seekers, a lot of times they could get into repetition or memorization of their skills, their backgrounds, or how to answer a certain question. And that may move the candidate into a robotic, stiff, pre-rehearsed, pre-contrived. And that'll all come through in the pitch, tone, rate, volume. And, and it'll be seen, can be seen as inauthentic, disingenuous, right? So it's good to prepare, but not prepare so much that you don't seem present to the moment. So, you know, the, the listening and the nonverbal go hand in hand. Um, the fifth one that I like to communicate is, is be yourself dot, dot, dot when spoken to, right. Uh, and follow that time tested adage, speak when spoken to, but, but when you're spoken, you know, be polite, of course, but be yourself. If, if you 
try to come off as being anything other than yourself, number one, it could be detected because, you know, we're human beings, we're, we're trained to watch nonverbal, right? The saber-toothed tiger isn't smiling or growling. It's life or death for us to read nonverbal. So if we're being phony at all, it'll come across. The hiring manager will see it or the interviewer will see it. That's number one. But then number two, what if we get the job being fake and phony, being somebody other than who we are? Now we have to perform in the job that way. Oh, God, what a burden. So we are like kissing our seal of death in the 90-day probation period. How long can you maintain being somebody else? It's better to just not get the job being yourself than get the job pretending, right? In, in terms of how long can you keep it up, that type it's, of deal. It's <laughs> like the date. I'm going to go back to the dating metaphor. There. You got it. Perfect. Because the, yeah. because the dating metaphor is so often when couples meet, they're putting on an act. And hi. Yeah, I call it gaming and walling. Gaming and walling. Playing the game, but putting up the walls. Like projecting an image, but not letting anybody too close. You, you know. And the problem is, and this is exactly what you're describing, what happens if he or she falls in love? Mm-hmm. Do they love you or the act? You got it. And, exactly and, the same thing, and the same thing happens with employers. Do they like you for your abilities or like you for the act that you put on? How do you win? Yeah. Well, I, I just, I just be yourself <laughs> as, as, as best you can. And, and, you know, that's, you know, whether it's staffing or relationships or uh, funding or marketing or you know, public speaking or what, you know, it, there's a lot of areas in our life where it's hard to be yourself. So this isn't just a tip for strategic staffing or confident candidate or career advancement. I recommend like 24-7 be you, know you, be honest with yourself, be vulnerable about imperfections and flaws and work to be better and improve, but be honest about who you really are and see how far that gets you, see how that, how, how far that will take you. I'm and before we get to number six, I just yes, want to say that I tell employers the same thing mm-hmm. because oh, yeah. one, one of the biggest mistakes is that they set up the dynamic and they're trying to hire for fit. And mm-hmm. the problem is, you know, it, I've been, I was working in recruiting for more than 40 years. It took me about two weeks to figure out the job hunters were on good behavior when they interviewed. But it took me a lot longer to figure out employers were on good behavior too. Right. Because I never heard of an employer ever say to a job hunter, you know, I got a problem. And I've taken over a group that is a low performer and we've got an incredible deadline. And it, you know, my predecessor got fired and her predecessor got fired. It doesn't take a genius to figure out, I'm trying to hire someone to save my butt. And I'm hoping it's you. No yeah. one ever says anything like that. And it it's true. Out. Yeah, it doesn't come out. It's Although, true. Like, back, to the, back to this thing that I had last night, the guy was so honest. He's like, look, I'm going to be honest with you. There is going to be politics. There is going to be infighting. There is going to be past the buck accountability. There is going to be drama, but it's going to be fun. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I'm like... Okay, you know, like the honesty actually made me more attracted to it all. Like, he knew so, how to sell you. <laughs> well, well, he knew how to be himself. He, you know, he's an evolved guy, and he doesn't have to be pretentious. He, you know what I mean? His, 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 his. his he'd already built his wealth. He's not panhandling to anybody. He's like, here, here's the honest truth, and and he, he's savvy enough to know that I would be savvy enough to know if he wasn't genuine. You know, yeah. so you can't bring. You can't hide your broccoli in a glass of milk. And when you're dealing with a master of communication, you don't want to bring a water balloon to a knife fight, right? So anyway, I, all, all joking aside. So we've got openness, gratitude, uh, listening, nonverbal communications, be yourself when spoken to, and then there's yeah. a number six. Yeah, it's visualize. 
you know, you can only have one thought in your head at a time and it's either going to be a positive thought or a negative thought. So why, you know, it's like worry is a waste of your imagination. So if I'm, if it's like, I, I, I used to, I tell people a lot, if like, let me ask you a question. See if you're too wise. I don't know if I'm going to get this one by you, Jeff, but look, Hey, if you had three children and three sandwiches, right. Are you going to give all three sandwiches to one child? Yeah. <laughs> well, Cause no. I don't like the other two. I'm well, okay. That's the honesty we're looking for, but no chances are you're going to give one to each. Right? right. So the three children are best case scenario, worst case scenario, and most likely scenario. Most people feed two or more sandwiches to worst case scenario yeah. and they let best case and most likely scenarios starve. So look, if you're going to use that thing called imagination, why don't you visualize what you do want? See yourself going in there, see a bright smile on the face of the hiring manager. You know, why not? You could create anything you want in your head. I actually would visualize a hiring manager high-fiving the human resources person because the human resources person finally got the job filled. The hiring manager finds a person that's going to save their butt. I actually visualize them high-fiving with excitement because they finally got the candidate they've been looking for. Then I'll step into the job or step into the interview, if you will. So I can visualize anything I want. I can visualize past successes that I've had that put a good smile on my face, like when I would have hit a a home run in the championship softball game in co-ed softball when I was a headhunter back for National Search Associates. If I think about that home run going over the fence, I'm in a good mood all of a sudden. So why don't I think about that home run and then walk into my interview? Or I can visualize the interview itself, you know, or I can actually visualize a destination postcard. I can actually visualize working in that job before I've even had the interview. If I've done it, right? So I can imagine anything I want, but the stinking thing will come up on its own. So I want, you know, like predetermined or prescribed things to visualize that will make me more confident, more um, vibrating, more positively when I, when I step into that interview. And folks, I'm going to pause here and say, you know, there's an old joke about the person who prays to God to win the lottery mm. and pray and pray and pray. And suddenly there's thunder and lightning and the heavens open up and there's the booming voice that says, meet me halfway buy a lottery ticket, please. Mm. And, <laughs> as, as, as much as you do these things, yeah. you have to rehearse your answers to predictable questions. You have to do all the basics. You've got to do good research. You've got to be prepared for the kind of questions you're going to be asked on interviews. And no amount of openness, gratitude, listening, paying attention to nonverbal cues, authenticity, or visualization is going to work unless you can also cover the data. And, and it all comes together. It's all well. Those, the, yeah, yeah. We're not talking about basically. Are you qualified for the job? Right. <laughs> what are the skills? What are the, what are the skills? You know. What are the duties? First of all, and this is we're talking about now. For me, this gets into like strategic staffing almost more so than confident candidate because you probably know most employers they screw up strategic staffing because they don't have a good position description. They don't have clear identification of observable duties which means they don't have an accurate list of what qualifies somebody to do those duties. And then the recruiting candidates that are qualified to do things other than the job at hand, like to me, the epicenter of the strategic staffing wheel is a well-written position description, observable duties and the good qualifications that match. And now you can create good interview questions based on those qualifications. But a lot of employers are like, do you have a post? Can you start tomorrow in small and micro business, right? Or the employer- 
and in big business, Same the way it works is someone gives notice on Friday, a hiring manager calls the HR and goes, you got that job description we used to hire Jeff? Yeah, he just gave notice. So mm -hmm. maybe you could get it out to our resources and see who you can get on my calendar for Tuesday. That's as much as they do. No one ever updates these things. And it's one of the disasters for job hunting, uh, for hiring, is that employers are uh, Employers never update the description. Job hunters never verify that the job description they have is accurate. Mm -hmm. And thus, they're talking past one another and it's doomed for failure. So it's one of the things I coach for is identify what the real job is at the beginning of the interview before they start diving into their questions. So you know that you can talk about what, what matters to them and not just talk about what you've done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's you, when you talk about preparing job seekers for the types of questions they should, you know, they can anticipate. Um, you know, for, for me, biographical questions, but like competency. You know, like I, I have the most simple example, Jeff. If if the job, if a duty is data entry, then a qualification is must type sixty words a minute. Now a good interview question might be, what's the letter to the right of J on the keyboard? You can't BS it, right? You know, like if the answer's not K, the interview's over. But it's like, all right, here's what I want done. What qualifies somebody to do that? And how do I make sure they have that qualification? But that logic of description to interview question gets broken somewhere and then things fall apart. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And, and thus, for, for people as job hunters, uh, when we're looking for them to conduct themselves in a way that's savvy, where they demonstrate their knowledge and their acumen and abilities. How does someone prepare for that? What, are, what do you think they should do in order to ready themselves for these magic moments? Well, I mean, I, I don't know if we covered it with openness. You tell me. <laughs> is, is openness the right answer? Uh, well, huh. I mean, I don't know if I'm understanding your question correctly. There's magic moments that happen. How do we ready candidates for the magic moments where there does seem to be a fit? Or like, is, wait, this is going good? Yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, there, there, are, there are questions that people can pose in the course of the interview that allow them to stand out and demonstrate that they have savvy, which is one of those great words okay. that we don't see that often. So yeah. I'm thinking along okay. those lines. Okay, gotcha. Well, in that case, okay, that makes more sense to me. Well, first of all, right, again, you're a candidate, but why don't, why not just reverse the role? Why don't you take the role of interviewer and interview this company to see if, do you follow, like switch it mm -hmm. a little bit mentally and say, hey, tell me about the company, you know, tell me about the job. Like you mentioned earlier, why does this job exist? How did this job become open? Is this a new position? Is it a replacement position? If it's replacement, did the person leave or were they promoted? What is the successful candidate in this position uh, striving for? What's the succession plan for somebody that does really well in this position? What are the additional opportunities? Uh, what, what, what really, what re you know, what's really going to be expected of me and what's the reality on, around resources I have to get that job done? Uh, what's the process? Like all companies have different interviewing processes. So is, you know, how many candidates or what's the time frame? What's the urgency? Ideally, by when do you want this position filled? What's at stake for the company if this position remains open? You know, what kind of training is involved? I, I mean, I can keep going on, but 
These are the types of questions. And, and if you ask too many of these, of course, all at once, you're going to talk yourself out of the job. But you got to be, again, back to the listening to understand when the questions are right. But the, I can tell you, you know as well as I do, when an employer or prospective employer gets to the end of an interview and they say, so, do you have any questions for us? And the candidate says, no, not really. No Trap door no, opens. No bueno. Next right? contestant. Like, yeah, I've got, oh yeah, but I've got some questions, right? And, you know, it depends. It also depends if you're, if you're being represented by a headhunter, there's certain questions you don't want to ask to save face. Let the headhunter ask those questions to get that information from the headhunter. If you're representing yourself, at some point you're going to have to say, what's the compensation range? What are the benefits? What are the expectations of work hours? Will you tell me about company culture? But I wouldn't be asking those questions about how you're compensated in the beginning part. If you get past a first interview, get to a second interview, and you've got reasonable certainty that they're interested, then it's time to, at some point, you got to start asking about exchange of value, right? And be ready for those conversations. You, you talk about salary and with HR, or do you talk about hiring manager? You buddy-buddy with the hiring manager, see if they can get you more money from HR. I, but, but early on, it's about fit, right? And again, one, qualification. Am I, can I do the job that's expected of me? Am I set up for success? right? Then fit organization, culturally benefits, work culture, work hours, access to the job, opportunities, uh, position in the marketplace. Uh, you know, I remember when I was a headhunter, big difference between working for like huge network systems with guaranteed salary, but you're lost among thousands of mid-level managers as a senior, a senior manager versus a VP at a startup with two people, right? Totally different considerations. And, and, so, but those are the, some of the things that come to mind off the top of my head is questions about, am I a fit for this job? Is this company a fit for my lifestyle, my, the direction that I see my career going? Am I a fit for the company culture as well? Is there a dead end? Is there a succession plan? What's the upside of this? How did the position come about? You know, are there, these are the types of questions that I'd be ready to ask as a candidate when the situation arises. With the and, and folks, I'm gonna let you on a secret because no one talks this way. So the secret is every job that you're going to interview is a dead end job. <laughs> every job that you interview for is either going to lead to your next employer or it's going to lead to you being fired and then to your next employer. You're going to start off as a developer, for example, you're not going to make C-suite. It's a reality. They're going to talk to you about it. Like we've got a, a great career path for you. Yeah, right. And, and I will tell you, you know, from experience, the corporate ladder has had quite a few rungs cut off from it. Mm -hmm. And most of them end like two rungs up, and then you have to leap to another ladder. It's kind of yeah. like these shows on TV, like Spartan Games, where suddenly you're leaping from thing to thing because the way the system is set up is they don't want to pay too much. And they'd rather lose you and get a cheaper person than continue to advance you. And well, you talk you about fertilizer versus stuff running downhill, right? And that's what happens. The stuff runs downhill and it just the pressure of getting the job done with less resources, less talent, less budget, it just falls to somebody down the line and, you know, people get too fat to see beneath their bellies. And there's a lot of stressed out mid-level managers and hiring managers and senior like supervisors or managers or senior managers that have all of that pressure of getting it done without the resources. 
And folks, as you look around in, in organizations and you're making your staffing decisions, uh, or I'm sorry, you're, you're uh, joining decisions, take a look at LinkedIn profiles from these firms. Mm-hmm. Notice how many directors started off as managers with their firms. Uh, how many VPs started off as directors there? Notice whether their tendency is to go to the outside for more senior positions. How many people get promoted internally? Like there's a guy I was speaking to in the call right before yours, who it was astonishing to me. He had spent 13 years with his employer and mm-hmm. he had progression of you know, promotions. This is so unusual these days. Mm-hmm. You know, it's two years here, three years there, one year here, and, and you know, out the door. <laughs> well, you know, this is this is very interesting because that's not always the company's fault. A lot of times, you know, the candidate uh, knew bright and shiny. As soon as you have one thing to complain about, one thing that you don't like, any other opportunity where that thing isn't there becomes attractive. But if that there's not context to that, in other words, like I like to help people understand must-haves and deal breakers. Right. So, so for example, and this is the pre-qualifying is something that headhunters, a lot of bad headhunters don't do. The good ones, you know, have success with this. So if I'm talking to a really great candidate, I see the resume, I'm like, oh my God, walking placement. I can get a, this person job anywhere. Right. So now I have to say, listen, I need to tell that person four step homework assignment. Okay. Step number one is make a list, like a blank check, make a bullet point list, a keyword or two of everything that would be ideal about a career move, right? All the things that would be ideal, wish list, visualization, right? Now, but step two is to go back through that list and put an asterisk by must have, meaning don't even share my resume with anybody that doesn't, like this would be ideal, this would be ideal, this would be ideal, but don't even send my resume to them. Don't share my resume with them if they don't have these must haves. So step one is complete list of ideal, go back and screen for must haves and then the, the counter, balance to that is step number three, make a list of everything that's not ideal. I got to park a mile away or I have to share cubicle space or my office isn't big or whatever, everything that would be non-ideal and then go back and asterisk deal breakers, meaning, and this is very cool for discipline and accountability to keep the job search process efficient. Don't share my, even if it has all the must haves, if it has any of these deal breakers, don't share my resume. So, so if the candidate can get super clear on their must-haves and their deal breakers, they will avoid applying for positions. You know what I'm saying? They won't apply for the wrong positions. A lot of times people haven't taken the time to really figure out what that is. So back to why did I bring this up? When you see somebody that's been somewhere for two years and then they move to another thing, it's because some friend at another company or some headhunter said, hey, are you unhappy? Yeah, my boss sucks. Okay, well, over here, the boss is cool. But then they go to jump to that other position and the benefits suck or the work culture sucks or the politics sucks. They stay there for two years, complain about that, and then they move to the next thing rather than getting grounded in what they really need for their career, must have some deal breakers. So there's no perfect solution to any of this, but the more that of this prep that we can encourage candidates to do, the better off they'll be. I think you spoke about Tony Robbins briefly before and having attended a workshop of his like 25 years ago, Uh one of the things I took away was the notion of uh, having people ask themselves, what's most important in the next job or organization? What will you need to see you're here to believe it's the right choice for for them? And then from there, I'd ask them to prioritize it uh, and um, rate it honest, you know, rated in, in order 
and I, you know, most people will talk about being happy in an organization. Mm-hmm. That's fine. And, and that's a throwaway for me. From yeah. there, I'm concerned about the next What makes item. me happy. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing I would, I ask people is, so what sort of things might you ask to verify that this firm will fill in the blank? Mm-hmm. Because everyone's got that smile button face on. The candidate doesn't, so is the employer. The employer sits there and honestly says to people, we've got a terrific team of people. They are all highly motivated. Did I mention we're like family around here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the families in the Thanksgiving movies that want to stab one another. Yeah, that kind of family. Yeah. No one says that, but it's true. I actually I actually own fireyourfamily.com to do business coaching and accountability. You're installing cultures of accountability in family-owned businesses. That's fabulous. So I don't have the website developed yet, but I own the domain and because I'm a big guy, I'm a big accountability guy. We're talking about staffing now, but staffing is just one of the strategies. My whole methodology is motivation plus accountability equals results. So strategy is just motivating somebody. Accountability is something different. So we're talking about strategies for being a confident candidate or strategies for strategic staffing. And thus one of the things that helps people develop confidence is goal setting and holding, being held accountable to certain goals that you set. So when you're encouraging people to do goal setting around their career or around their job search, how do you encourage them to formulate their goals along those lines? Well, you know, it's a good question. I actually call it destination postcards, right? Like, you know, like, excuse me if I heave a little bit, but yeah, no, that's come on, thank you. That's all right. That's all right. I'm, I'm, if, if I don't get some sort of reaction, I'm not happy. No such thing as bad press. My point is, is that here's the thing. I give you very simply, I would say once they get the job, then I would incur, then I would work with them on specific goal setting, like smart goal setting, specific, measurable, achievable, ambitious for good reason in a certain amount of time. I have a whole module on smart goal setting where I added an A and changed the R to the original smart goal setting. I digress there. Before they get the job, it's not necessarily a goal with that specificity because they don't have to have the job yet but there could be a destination postcard. We can create a, a, a general idea of where ways this could go, right? So number one, I, I, I want people to like set a goal. And I say goal with quotation marks and bunny ears now, because it's not really a specific goal the way I would teach it in other contexts, right? I'm saying a destination. So one outcome of this experience as a candidate is rapport, number one, rapport. Right. So whether you get the job or not, you could build rapport and you could be kind and you could say please and thank you to everybody you meet. You could try to remember and use people's names. You can you follow. There's and, and, and because what's what one of my favorite stories is how the the candidate goes into interview, they come out and they say, No, I didn't get the job, but I just had a really good feeling about the people I met. I'm like, well, if it felt so good, what do you mean you didn't get the job? It's like, no, there's a difference, man, between jiving with the people and being right for that job. I feel good. And then a year later, the hiring manager in that job is now working for another company, remembers that candidate and gets them the right job at the right company, right? Because of the rapport was there. So there's a saying that a butterfly flaps its wings on one side of the world, creates a tsunami on the other side, right? Rapport, whether you get the job or not, qualified or not, there's nothing stopping you from building good rapport, following up, writing thank you notes to people and, and building on a relationship, connecting on social media if it's appropriate, whether you get the job or not. So one destination postcard is rapport. Set a goal of building a relationship with everybody you come into contact with, whether you get that job or not, right? So that, that would be one example. Um, 
yeah, another would be um, like, you know, generally speaking, you know, a lot of people, I don't think, I mean, you tell me what you think, actually. I would say no, most people don't. But you tell me what your experience is, Jeff. Most people never really decide what they want. They don't decide, like, 20 years from now, what do I want my career to have looked like? Most people, like, what do I do today? Or what do I do next year? Or what, in other words, they're going, they're handling the immediacy of their career progression without deciding on a mission, vision, purpose of their career. And then holding everything along the way accountable to that high-level purpose, right? So, so, so I would encourage people, I would say, look, why do you exist? What, what's the purpose of your career? When your career is all said and done, what will you have produced in the marketplace and what measurable, you know, results that we can be proud of are we going to be looking at? And so now if you can set that destination and understand, you know, for me, for example, if somebody says, Jeff, what's your purpose? I, I want to train a million coaches or train a million leaders with my methodology, motivation plus accountability equals results, which includes strategic staffing and all these other soft skills, right? But I wanna train a million leaders or coaches, right? So now anything I'm deciding on in any given day is gonna be measured or validated or verified through this ultimate purpose. But most people never decide what their purpose is and therefore can't evaluate is whether this opportunity is tethered to the long-term, you know, the long-term vision. And then, and then if that's macro, Right, and then micro is what is this opportunity? Right, what what is the position? What's the purpose of the position? Like I said, what are the performance standards? How are they measured? How are they rewarded? What is the ideal candidate for the position? What you know, like we talked about that earlier in our talk today, is is really visualizing and setting a goal to understand this opportunity, understand how that opportunity fits in the in the grand scheme of the purpose of your career. And no matter what happens, it's not hard to be nice to people and build rapport. And because you've heard it said that your, your net worth is your network. Ooh, yeah. Yes, I have. And, and, and it's absolutely true. You know, and by the way, from my perspective, it's absolutely true. No one takes the time to plan it out. No one takes the time to scope Thank things. Yeah. And, and the result winds up being that people are wandering generalities rather than targeted specifics. Now, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you're wed to this for the rest of your life. Now, after all, there were a lot of COBOL programmers in the early 1970s who were absolutely valueless today. And they mm -hmm. wanted to be the best developer and thought that was the way to get to the C-suite. Well, sometimes along the way, you got to adapt and move in a different direction. Or you grow and your interests change. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, if it's okay, if my purpose tomorrow is to get a million people past the fear of public speaking, so what? It was train a million coaches today, tomorrow let's get a million people, but I always have one. You know, at any given moment in time, if I have a purpose, then I can be more efficient in my decision making and my, in my the action taking when I, uh, versus purposes. So, so people sometimes say in the coaching realm, Jeff, people say, how do I find my life's purpose? I mean, you don't find it like it's missing. It's right in front of you. Just choose one and pursue it. If it's not working out, then choose another. But when people say, how do I find my life purpose? Mentally, they believe it's missing and it's not around. And, or they believe there's only one life purpose for them to the exclusion of all other purposes. And that's not the case. I want to be open-minded and pluralistic in my thinking. But at any given moment, know what my purpose is. So that way I have integrity. I'm not blown around like a feather in the wind. All of my decisions and behaviors can be integrated with purpose. But most people don't decide purpose, so they're out of integrity 
and um, blown around like a feather in the wind sometimes. It's so true. You know, most of the time, and it's funny, you use the word know. They don't know their purpose, which is a head thing versus yeah. uh, your purpose is really a heart thing. Yeah, choose, you, feel, intuit, cultivate, you know, man, yeah. Stay still and just notice what gives you the greatest joy in life. And if, if you couldn't help but succeed, if failure was not the option, what would you do? How would you go about doing it? Doing this, the gap analysis between where you are today and where you're trying to get to and working work on getting the knowledge that you need in order to go from here to there. Yeah, and then the reason, by the way, one reason is the vulnerability. You provoke vulnerability when you ask people to declare a purpose, then the ego says, well, what if I never achieve it? And so then the self-sabotage gets in place. We have to overcome the ego defense instincts and be willing and vulnerable to declare something, right? And overcome the ego's desire not to fail at anything, which is a misunderstanding of failure. And unfortunately, what happens is unless you, you set the destination, number one, you never know if you got there. Number two is you are doomed to failure. Yeah. Uh, because you're gonna start flapping around everywhere. What's the, the quote I think is, uh, if you have no destination, any road could take you there. <laughs> and usually does yeah, yeah any road takes you know yeah exactly so we're I, it feels like we're on the same page uh, I, I had a feeling that we would agree on that but uh, I kept the open mind I think most people never decide at the end of the day when it's all said and done what do they want their career have to have done and represented so then it makes deciding and screening and evaluating any near-term opportunity more difficult so true. And Jeff, I am really loving this, but now's the time to say good night to yeah, all our company. <laughs> M-I-C. See you real soon. <laughs> okay, Eli. Let's not finish this one. <laughs> Why? Because we love you. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> Oh, are you resting? Okay, I finished the song. <laughs> I had to. You, you just have to finish it. I That's know. Nice. So nice. how can people find out more about you and the work that you do? All right, really cool. Thanks, man. Um, first of all, Jeff Klubeck, K-L-U-B-E-C-K. Not hard to find. Uh, I don't know how many of you have ever Googled yourself. Well, you can Google me and you'll, you'll find me. One of the things that I would like to invite everybody to, I know you and I met on the LinkedIn platform through our uh, mutual relationship with Forbes and the council and the expert panel and so forth. I want, if, if, if you don't mind, I wrote this little, um, how should I say, endearingly imperfect book called Get a Clue in 52. I wrote this last year and it's five categories, Jeff. It's networking, sales, marketing, communication, and accountability. I just wrote 10 tips in each. I put an extra two tips in marketing, so I'd have 52. It's a full year's worth. Now, this has got all kinds of errors. It's in perfect stream of consciousness, self-published, okay? But what I'm doing this year, what I dedicated to in January, is I want to I go onto Zoom, just like you and I are on right now, a Zoom, and then I live stream it into a Facebook group that I created called Get a Clue in 52. So if anybody types in Get a Clue in 52, they'll find my Facebook group. And it's dedicated to this book, to like creating community around the book. So I got almost like 450 people in there. And here's what I'm doing. Every Sunday night at 8 o'clock Pacific time, 11 o'clock for you East Coasters, um, every Sunday night at 8 p.m., I go onto Zoom. I stream it to the group on Facebook. I read word for word one tip. And then I pivot into group conversation, group discussion with whoever's joined me 
on the Zoom side. So I say, join the group to get the scoop, but join via Zoom to interact with the room. So that's a really fun thing that I'm doing. This, thank you, Jeff. This coming Sunday is the 26th consecutive installment. I'm doing it every Sunday. So I get to, I, in, within the pandemic era, I get to say, do you know anybody that's done anything for 26 consecutive Sundays? Well, I have, it's Get a Clue in 52. So people can find me there. And then I'm playing around with creating a bunch of info products that, and creating funnels to all of that. And one of the things that would be consistent with what we've talked about today is a little $37 course I created called uh, The Confident Candidate. And it's where you, there's a workbook to follow along and an audio and sample coaching sessions, all in a little $37 course. So if anybody's interested in hearing me elaborate on anything that I talked about today, the, the link, I just put it into the chat box. It's tinyurl.com slash confican, right? C-O-N-F-I-C-A-N. It's a $37 course uh, on the, in the clue barrier. I'm putting, you know, little mini e-courses. But I would love the, the, the Get a Clue in 52 is free. It's community. It's live, free group interaction and discussion, just kind of like what we're doing now, all based on these, these, the fun that I put back in the fundamentals of these 52 tips. And then um, otherwise, just any Google search for Jeff Klubeck, I'm, I'm easy to find. I'm not hard to find at all. Um, getaclue.net is the website if people want to be interested in the consulting and the coaching and the training. Um, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a big deal yet. <laughs> and I'll just say, folks, I'll remind you, Clue is K-L-U. Yeah, yeah, K-L-U-B-E-C-K. So getaclue.net is G-E-T-A klu.net and if anybody wants to email me just jeff at get a clue.net just fire away i'm um i don't have screeners and gatekeepers or anything like that I, I i i try to leave a pretty accessible lifestyle for for people that are seeking the type the content the way that i deliver it fabulous and folks we'll be back soon with more this is jeff Altman, the big game hunter if you're interested in me coaching you visit my website thebiggamehunter.us there's a button there that no it's the average size button that says schedule schedule time for free discovery calls schedule some time for coaching i'd be very happy to talk with you and i'll also mention there's a lot available on the site and you can now watch me on TV. Download the Job Search TV app for Amazon Fire Stick. It's about to be ready for Roku. I'm not sure exactly when that comes out, but uh, if you use Roku, download the Job Search TV app for that. Uh, and uh, it's a nice way that you can watch me on your big screen set rather than on a laptop and or on an iPad or what have you. And I'll just simply say. I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed today's show, leave a, leave a note in the comments area. Give it a thumbs up. Let everyone know you love it. And I hope you have a terrific day. Be great!